Drop in, gear up, and compete for glory in PUBG Mobile. Fight in explosive 100-man battles to be the last player standing. Experience incredible realistic graphics and a variety of play modes. Download the official mobile version of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for free. Go to your Android or iOS app store and type PUBG Mobile. P-U-B-G Mobile. Collect a special reward using the link and promo code provided in the episode description. Play now. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and down. He's his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done it. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Let's do this. Yeah. Use that extra energy. Let's put it to good use. Let's talk about last night's game. Yeah. The, uh, Monday night football game. Wasn't the best matchup on paper. It was kind of a eh game when you watched it unfold. But there was a lot of pressure on the Dallas Cowboys. There's been a lot of uh, conversation around Jerry Jones, his future, Dak Prescott's future as their franchise quarterback. And basically what you've seen is the same thing you've seen from them for the last several years. There's a lot of inconsistency. But in the beginning of the game, you're like, hey, this thing's getting off to a pretty good start. A couple turnovers. Yeah. They go in. They made the big trade for Amari Cooper. They get him the ball early. He gets his first touchdown. You're like, maybe this thing is working. Maybe this is the turnaround moment that they need. And yet, off those turnovers, they couldn't really capitalize other than that one touchdown. And you're sitting there thinking... What is wrong with this team as they could not get it done? Yeah, the throw to Amari Cooper for his potential second touchdown into the double coverage the back in the end zone that got picked. Yep. That was like really deflating right. for the Cowboys. And then you came out of, I mean, it was still a game. You came out of halftime and then it, it looked like the O line had held up for some reason in the first half. And I don't know if it was schemed by the Titans or whatever, but in the second half, Dak Prescott, whether he was holding the ball, there were a few throws that looked like he should have been off the ball. There were also some times where like, he was just getting crushed. Like there was one Ezekiel Elliott with chip block, and then the the tackle just missed on the guy. He came inside and ear holed him. Like they just didn't give him time for one reason or another for that to work. My question would be like Amari Cooper, and and maybe this speaks to a problem in Dallas, and maybe I read it wrong last night. He's supposed to be a deep threat, right? Yeah, like that's what you essentially brought him for. But like all the balls he caught last night were little little like quick dig routes and stuff right. like that. Like. Why would you bring a guy in to be a deep threat and then only run those kind of routes for him? I think I what they're trying to do is emphasize Dak Prescott's strengths, which are more of underneath routes. Get him the ball in open space and then let him run because he is a speed guy. He's a big play guy. Okay. However you determine those big plays, right, right, whether right. it's through the air downfield or it's getting him in man-to-man matchups, letting him get the ball in his hands and then break a couple tackles and go. But I think it's interesting you referenced the interception to where Dak Prescott basically forced the ball into him. It's one thing to throw interceptions. Like, everybody's going to have interceptions. Right. Like, it's just a part of the game. But you have to know situationally when is a good risk, when is a good risk, sure. and when it's a bad risk. And when you're coming off a turnover and you've got to get some points so that your defense feels like, hey, we did something. We created a turnover. Now it's your turn to go do it. Yeah. And you basically took this through a jump ball into double coverage where you sh- just throw it away. Like, live another down, kick a field goal. Like, that's not a big deal if you do that. Right. That was a really ill-advised, dumb throw from Dak Prescott. And he's got to stop making those or else he's going to find himself looking for work elsewhere in a very important season for him because they do need to determine their future at quarterback. And yeah. at one time, after his rookie year, you're thinking, man, maybe they extend him now. And everybody, myself included, wanted to say, all right, let's see him do it another year. Let's see after defenses get a look at this Dallas Cowboys offense – if they shut down Ezekiel Elliott, what can he do as a passer? And I think you've seen some of his limitations. Not to say he couldn't turn it around. That's one of the reasons they brought in Amari Cooper. Right. Was to give him a better shot, a better look at it. But you can't keep making those types of mistakes. I mean, I guess from any player in any sport, you'd like to see 
growth, right? And it could be gradual. I mean, every team has its own recipe for how quickly they want to see you grow. But And some of that depends on where your team is in terms of being able to win now or whether there's growth in front of you as a team as well. But I'm watching last night, and as they're you know illustrating some of the plays and the artwork goes up, and they're talking about NFL throws. And as it pertained to Dak, him needing to get off the ball as guys reach the top of that route and seeing that window like that's right in front of the guy, right? So you're essentially anticipating the throw and getting off the ball because you know he's going to be open and you trust all the work that you've done in the film and, and all of that, right? So you put it there, he'll be ready to catch it. He doesn't do that. And, like, he doesn't do it often enough, right? You know what I mean? And then you find yourself holding the ball. You're getting sacked. Now the O-line looks bad. And so, you know, I guess my question is, how long does it take a young quarterback to grow into that? Or are there guys, because there are guys in the NBA that, like, you hope that they grow. Right. But when you see it over and over again, you're like, okay, this, this might not be what he's going to be. Like, there's no I room think, for growth. I think you can usually tell in year two. But I would give a guy three years. Right. Like I, but I think you have a pretty good in indication by year two. He should start to do it exactly. more and more often. Right. Look at the incremental increases you've seen in some other guys. Like Jared Goff's a good example. Now, it helped him a tremendous amount to have Sean McVay right. come in and run a different system. But you saw incremental growth where all of a sudden you're like, all right, this is the direction we want to go. Mitch Trubisky, you're looking for that incremental growth if you're a Chicago Bears right. fan. He's been better this season than he was last year as opposed to – Dak Prescott comes out there, great rookie season, but they're running the ball really well. And all you have to do really to look at the Dallas Cowboys, if they can run Ezekiel Elliott 25 times, get him about 110 yards rushing, that is the way that Dak Prescott has success. If they don't, then you see some of the issues that crop up. Let me ask you this, because one of the things after that interception, uh, they had Kevin Byard, the yeah. safety, runs to the field, does his T.O. impersonation on the star, I was like, I don't have a problem with him doing it. I have a problem with the Cowboys letting it be done in their home field. Yeah, there was one guy. I don't know who he was out there one, trying to like push everybody one guy. Off that's the it. Star. Everyone else was like, uh. So he's got a job for life with the Cowboys, he whoever, whoever he is. Yes. Um, I don't love that though because I mean, this is gonna sound corny because I'm used, look, I'm all for like celebrating and stuff like that. But like, if you're that guy, you can pretty much check the Cowboys off like your list of places that you could potentially play one day. Yes. You desecrate the star. Like I don't know that Jerry Jones is ever signing you. I mean, you'd have to be like an all-world talent. I don't know that. Like T.O. Uh, correct. <laughs> right. you'd have to be like, like him. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I typically don't have a problem with that. Let me ask you about Marcus Mariota though. Yeah. Like what? Because he's another one that. Like really probably hasn't lived up to that, to that draft hype. What was it? Him and, and, and uh. The famous. Both of them have had kind of up and down careers. But he ha he has moments, right? Like he, he figures out ways. It's not always pretty. It's yep. not like 300 yards a game. Some of that's on the offense, but he does like figure it out at times and he looks good at, at times. Is he another guy that maybe offensively, if there was another system, you might see a better version of himself. Well, see, or? I think one of the things too is he's had in inconsistency with his coaching staff. Like he's been through these different systems. You know, they bought in Mike Rabel to kind yeah. of, you know, be a defensive minded guy. Then you get Matt LaFleur, their offensive coordinator. They brought in specifically because he was a Sean McVay disciple. So they were trying to give him a similar system. Right. The problem when I see Marcus Murrow, it was not so much this year, but last year is what didn't have a lot of weapons to work with. So much about playing the quarterback position is about who, like your surroundings, yeah. being in the right place at the right time with the right coaches and having some good players around you for a lot of guys, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, like the, the, elite best of the best of the yeah. elite. Mm -hmm. But like for Marcus Mariota, I think they're in a similar predicament where I think they like him, 
but he's got to show more consistency in order to get that second contract. Because that's right. what your goal should be. You want to prove your worth. If you're a number one or number two overall pick, you want to show, hey, I'm worth it for the next five years. You've had me for four or five years. Yeah. For the next. And I think Marcus Mariota is still trying to earn that and get his keep there. It was interesting because Jerry Jones, there's been a lot of speculation about the future. What does it hold? I've been harsh on Jason Garrett because I think you've seen the best of Jason Garrett. And that is not a good thing because it's been a lot of mediocrity. You had the incredible season when Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott were rookies yeah. and they got it, but I that lightning in a bottle there. That's the aberration. The norm is eight and eight. It's, you know, nine and seven, maybe it's seven and nine. It's a lot of middle of the road stuff. And if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you've had nine years to get it done and you haven't gone very far in the playoffs, you've got there twice, but haven't been able to do much with it. To me, the only reason you're still there is because you're Jerry Jones' guy, and he can do anything he wants with you, with your coaching staff, and he's your you're you're a puppet you're essentially, a puppet. and that's not a good situation. Like they need, and well, as much as Jerry doesn't it, want it, it to happen, it is for right, for Jason Garrett, right? Collecting <laughs> checks, and I like him, like he's a nice guy, but it just feels like they they need a spark, like they need somebody to light a fire under their tail. Yeah, if he doesn't have that 2016 NFL Coach of the Year, then he has to have been gone by now. Like that, you know what I mean? Like Jerry probably would have been getting pressure from whoever pressures Jerry right. get rid of him but with the 2016 coach of the year you can be like oh look what he did you know a couple years ago but I think I think at the end of the season he's gone I mean the the writing's on the wall with that enough of a sample size like your your offensive ranks he's an offensive guy right is he supposed to be an it's offensive scary. guy yeah, yeah. former quarterback you, yeah you're talking about 26 <laughs> in the league points per game 27th in the league yards per game 29th in the league pass yards per game some of that might be on the quarterback um third down third down efficiency is 29th in the league red zone efficiency 17th like the numbers are what the numbers are, and your track record is what it is. You, I think you'll see him gone. I hate when people in our business get out there and say, fire so-and-so. Fire. I think it's the easiest, lamest, like just I, – it annoys me when people say, right. you should fire this coach. I think they need to make a change. I do. I think it's been long enough. I've seen – I think you've seen enough of Jason Garrett right. where you need a change of scenery. And maybe oh. he can go somewhere else and be a good coach sure. somewhere else. But the message there is just you've lost Romo, who was a voice in the locker room for you. Jason Witten, you lost him. Sure. Brian's gone. Like there needs to be a reset on Most, the culture inside the locker room as much as it needs to happen on the field. Most coaches have a shelf life. Exactly. Now, they're, they're, they're the rare few that don't. Like for in, in basketball, you got Pop. Right. Um, you, you, you had – What would you um, put the number at? Because I think 10 years is a lot. I think it's – Oh, oh dude, ten, yeah, ten years is way, like a decade. That's yeah. that's that's way above the norm. You're talking about six, seven, eight years, and usually a guy, whether he's had like great success or not, probably changes scenery for everybody is good, and he can go somewhere else and be good again. Um, so I would agree with you. Like if you were coming in here with the Mark Rick situation, like I joke a lot, a lot of people in Miami are calling for his job. Like that's one of those where I'm with you. Like, look, dude, it's only it's been what three years? Yep. We're talking two, three years. Like th- that's ridiculous. Who are you going to go out there and get? Like they give him some time to figure out if this is the right thing or not. But when you're talking about nine years worth right. of, it, of it, mediocrity, it gets stale. Yeah, Even in uh, John Harbaugh with the Ravens has had a ton of success, had a Super Bowl. They're talking about making a change there. It's just there comes a time when your message just gets stale right. in the locker room. All right, so the Cowboys clearly, I don't think they're going to win the NFC East, which does pose the question. Who could it be? The Redskins were there in a pretty good spot. Then they lost this past weekend. The Eagles, defending Super Bowl champs, who a lot of people wrote off, might be in the best spot, especially when you consider what happened to the Washington Redskins this past weekend when they had not one, not two, but three offensive starters lost for the season, two offensive linemen and a wide receiver. It's going to be tough for that team to make any sort of run. And then if you're looking at, all right, well, who's it going to be? 
I think you are probably in a good place with the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me tell you who it won't this be. This not a Debo segment, too. I thought it was our guy Debo. Yeah, it's not. Die hard. No, Coca actually proposed this, which I think is a fair question. It will not be the Giants, and it will not be the Cowboys. Oh, clearly. Right? So you can rule those two out. Now you're talking about Washington, who was challenged offensively, if you will, to begin with. Like, that yeah. wasn't – you lose three starters there. And the Eagles are getting it together. Carson Wentz came in late. Like, they just added Golden Tate, right? Like, they're, they're – there, there's some weapons. Yeah, they're going to win the division, and I don't know that it says as much about the Eagles. Although I'll give them credit because I think they are going to wind up being a better version of themselves going forward. But it speaks to more of the NFC East and and the level of like uh, uh, mediocrity yep. and below that that exists there. I think too what you see in a common thread in a couple quarterbacks is slow starts. Carson Wentz. And Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Both of them coming off major ACL injuries. I think people just expect, ah, oh, they've been out a year. It's going to be easy. You're going to get right back to form. It's not easy. There's the mental aspect. Sure. I think that's one of the reasons the Texans got off to a slow start. Plus, their offensive line was trash. But they've kind of figured some things out. Deshaun Watson's playing. Now they have this incredible you know, six-point yeah. winning streak. They're all of a sudden a totally different vibe. The, same. the Eagles, I feel like, are a similar spot. Started off full start of the season. Yeah. Wentz comes in, he's getting hit a lot. Now he's starting to get more comfortable in the system. They bring in a guy like you mentioned in Golden Tate. They're trying to give him some weapons to sure. help him out with. He's actually had a pretty good year. Like he's putting up uh, numbers that are pretty good. You feel like this team has the resume. The thing is, I think they might win that FC East, but I am not going on the Eagles to make any sort of deep run and get back to the Super Bowl again. Nor am I. I think that NFC South is like, that's a brutal conference. I think whoever comes out of that. All right. Yeah, I think. All right. So I want to squeeze in this one, one more topic in our first uh, segment here because the Boston Celtics were playing the uh, Denver Nuggets last night, getting beat down late in the game. Jamal Murray had 48 career high, 48 cooking. Why not go for the 50 spots? Why, why not go for the yeah. 50 burger? So three pointer. Yeah. Late. To, uh, now, you have to see this. Six. Time is expiring. Uh, there's no shot of, clock. No, no shot, shot clock. clock. So I don't have to shoot it. Right, but he did, and it was like he missed. It wasn't yeah. a big deal to me. Like I thought, hey, could have just dribbled it out and let it go. Like, now the bro, Celtics weren't loving this, that, bro. Right, that's his go. I'm, I'm like, going for a fifty ball. Right. Listen, Kyrie Irving, I get it, dude. You're a little sensitive. Yeah, you got he takes the ball, chucks it in the stands, and he's out there like, come on, nah. it's bush league nah. move. Like this guy out here, Man, he just dropped forty eight on me. <laughs> right. That's what that is. No, damn it, he just dropped forty eight on me. It's it. Look, yeah, there's an unwritten rule in basketball that you don't run the score up or anything like that. But there are like exceptions to the rule. Like if I got forty eight and I got the ball in my hands and I ain't never scored a fifty ball before, <laughs> right? Don't be mad at me when I try to get the fifty, Kyrie. Also. It, yeah. Also, it wasn't like they ran a play and he was like trying to get open. squeezed. Right, exactly. I, this is such a bad look for the Celtics. I have no problem with him throwing up the shot at the end of the game. If you really didn't want to get him, you could have had somebody in his face. I get me we there. But also, how about not letting him get to 48 through the yeah. four, four, four quarters? How about, how about the other four? You got a problem with the last <laughs> three he tried to get? What happened to the other 48 he cooked on you? Um, the Celtics have bigger issues though. And I know this was, this was only supposed to be like a oh, kind of jokey segment. They've got chemistry issues. They have to figure out how to reintegrate Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and still get the best versions of Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford. Uh, and, and the kid, uh, whichever Morris kid they got. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell them <laughs> part. But that the, that unit was clicking at a very high level towards the end of last season. I mean, they pushed this, uh, the Cavs to the brink. And you bring these two back, and in theory, like you just added two all-stars, and it should be a better version of the Celtics, and it's not. And Gordon is going through kind of what you yeah, were talking about with Deshaun and, and Carson Wentz. It's going to take him a minute. He'll be fine, but I don't know that he'll be fine in terms of looking like himself because I don't know that that role exists 
with the Celtics. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Marcus Smart said he was on the court, said the good thing I wasn't out there because I would have lost some money. Well, Enough of that talking. Like, Come do on, it bro. during the game. Stop it. Yeah. Get out of there. Do you know what today is? Um, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's like voting day. It is like, voting right? day. Today's like it election is. So day. Get out there and do your voting. Yeah. Uh, do your uh, duty. But it also, there's a huge college basketball game matchup tonight. How a couple I, of them. Double header. That snuck up on me. I had no idea until last night. It's crazy. Yeah. Matt Norlander, he's going to come on and help us break, uh, break down the matchup tonight. That's coming up next off the bench. All right, Roger, you, you said, you mentioned it a second ago. College basketball has crept on us and it's here. Yeah. It is here. We got some, uh, the State Farms Champions Classic tonight in Indianapolis, seven and nine thirty. Got some incredible matchups. Let's get our guy Matt Norlander in here to help break it down. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Norlander. He's our CBS Sports College basketball writer. Matt, what's going on, man? How are we doing? Doing good, man. I'm totally psyched. The college basketball season is here. It's obviously a very busy Tuesday in our world, but uh, this is fantastic for, for the sport because it's been a long time coming, guys. You know, for so many years, decades, really, college hoops started on a Friday night, and it wasn't an ideal situation. You lead into a football weekend, and now uh, it appropriately starts on a Tuesday, and albeit there's the election, um, there are a lot of really, really good teams and fantastic players to watch tonight as the sport gets rolling with a bang. Well, I, I'm super excited. I was saying it snuck up on me. I, I guess the biggest question for me is, Matt, how can Duke have, like, the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six? Like, how could they have all these kids and be ranked number four in the country to start the season? Great question, Raja. Um, I have zero issue with it. In fact, I think Duke is overrated at number four because they've got these really good prospects. But let's see how good they are as college players. And last season, Duke was – extremely problematic on defense. So as we watch tonight, Duke versus Kentucky, I think Kentucky's going to win, and I don't expect... Now, Zion Williamson, who is the big name everyone knows, he is a, a really, really good defender. But how much help and how good will they look around him from a defensive standpoint tonight against a pretty good Kentucky team that's actually returning some good guys overall? So I get it. Like, you see Duke has the number one recruiting class. they got uh, three guys that could be in the top five of next year's NBA draft. Why aren't they a three-season number one team? Well, that's because there are other teams that, frankly, have talent that is almost at that level, but they bring back more. Duke does not have a player returning who averaged better than four points per game last season, and even the guys who are returning were not impact players last season, or in the, in the case of Marquise Bolden. You know, he was a five-star prospect. When he entered Duke, he was expected to be a first-round pick. He hasn't panned out to be that at this point, so um, there's a lot more to figure out beyond those star four freshmen. And so keep an eye. I think that's the most intriguing storyline that we will see tonight. It's just, okay, Duke's got these big, flashy names, but how good will they be right away? And then what about the non-freshman on this team? How good will they be? Um, look, I don't want to hijack this and make it a Duke segment, but I am interested. Um, which one of those three do you imagine winds up being uh, the top pick in the draft? Because obviously R.J. Barrett was the highest rated coming in, but I, I think uh, you know things sort themselves out a little differently sometimes during the college season. So quickly, which one do you have? probably being the higher pick in the draft. Yeah, real quick here. I think R.J. Barrett will be the number one pick in the draft. I think he's going to be their best overall player. But I did speak with the Duke staff in the offseason as they were getting to know these guys. And they told me, listen, Cam Reddish might wind up being the dude. Like, he just could be the guy that puts up 20 a game and does it naturally. But I think Barrett will prove to be the most valuable overall player for that Duke team. All right, so let's look at Kentucky because Coach Cal, they've had a rotating, uh, rotating cast of characters with the one and dones. This year it could be a transfer. Reed Travis from Stanford. How important a role do you think he could be for Kentucky this season? Very important. In fact, Kentucky, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story with this team, guys, because every year we talk about their freshmen. In my opinion, 
the Kentucky freshman this season, even though it's the number two class at Duke, has gotten the least amount of hype as maybe any freshman class that Calipari's ever brought in. And that being said, they still have really, really talented guys. But Reed Travis is obviously the big name to know because he's a grad transfer. We just don't – like, he's a fifth-year college player. That almost never happens under Cal at Kentucky when you talk about guys that are actually going to be starters, valuable guys. So he's a big-time force. And then P.J. Washington, I think he's the first case of this ever happening. I think P.J. Washington would have been drafted if he left uh, last season after his freshman campaign. So I think he's the first instance of a player at Kentucky who would have been picked but instead, after his freshman season, opted to return to Lexington. I think he'll be the heart and soul of that team. Keep an eye on him as well. And then I want to put a name out there for people to, to be aware of because he could be the guy that you guys find yourself talking about 24 hours from now, and that's Tyler Hero. He's out of Wisconsin. He's a scoring savant, and he wasn't a top-20 prospect, but he was a well-known prospect. But he's the kind of guy that could step in opening night, drop five threes, and if Kentucky wins, he might be like, hey, this isn't this isn't the freshman that's project, projected to be the top pick among UK's uh, freshman class, but he could be the most critical guy tonight. Tyler Hero, that's with two R's. Keep an eye on him tonight. Definitely something to watch out for. I want to make sure we get this right because I heard you say it earlier. Uh, Kentucky's a one-point favorite, so you like them to win and cover in this spot? I like them to win, cover in an entertaining game, and I think that uh, Duke lack of defense is going to be an issue. So, yeah, I think that will be the better of the two games, but I definitely like Kentucky to cover. Um, I guess I'm as confident as that as I could be on an opening night, but I just I, I trust their experience more. Uh, so let's move to that next game, the Michigan State-Kansas game, because Kansas is number one in the country, but they did go, you know, they underwent a whole lot of changes, too. They lost that backcourt. Um, why do they get the preseason number one? Kansas has got to be preseason number one, in my opinion. And I've got them at number one in our massive 1-353 to ranking of every team in the sport at the site, cbsports.com. Here's why. They've got a player named Deidre Lawson, who previously was at Memphis and was a fat monster when he was there. Now, he obviously, he did not play last season because he had the redshirt year where he sat out. He has looked fantastic. You combine him with Yudoka Azabuki, who's back again, debated going into the NBA, but he's, he is like the traditional big man. I mean, he does not step out, uh, not a great shooter, but just will load up on boards and, and own the paint. They're going to be the toughest one-two combo in college basketball to handle in the front court. And as you guys well know, um, the NBA college basketball has really gone to more positionless stuff and small ball. I think one of the biggest storylines in the sport this year, guys, is going to be Kansas, which will have its wings and guards and, and NBA picks there, but it's going to get a lot of production out of its two bigs. And because of that, I think they're going to be one of, if not the toughest matchups in the sport. So I, I also think they'll arrive tonight being defensively ready. Like in terms of, I, Kansas should be a top five team on defense this season. Dietrich Lawson is the name to know. He's a returning face, but I will say that Quentin Grimes is a fantastic future first-round NBA pick. I want to see how he shows up against a Michigan State team that's got some veterans. I talked with the Michigan State coaching staff last night. They're concerned about beating Kansas down both ends of the floor. The Michigan State's got the veterans. I think they'll have the shooting. Uh, so that's going to be a very intriguing game. Might be a little bit skittish to start, but uh, going into the second half, I expect Kansas to kind of take control. Did you say you ranked every team from one to three fifty three? Like I, I got, I'm curious now to know like how that process works. Like, are you mailing it in on the last one hundred and fifty three? Are you going to every single one? <laughs> I would be. <laughs> you do not know my existence, and I am slugging it out between number two eighty nine and number two ninety on that list. It is, uh, yeah, I have issues, uh, but no, legitimately, I, I put about seventy five hours worth of uh, research, phone calls, I, I text, you know. 
hundred coaches to get a, a feel for every single league. But yes, if you are excited about the college hoop season, I literally rank out and write capsules for every single team in Division One. And then, of course, it's a flawless list. We'll circle back to this at the end of March, and we will come to see that uh, I was basically right about every single team. All right, so where do you have Villanova on that list, and do you give them any chance to repeat? Obviously, they lost uh, four players to the draft last year. I've got Villanova as a top-ten team uh, again. Um, they are going to be the best team in the Big East, Raja, and they have a great shot to do this again. I sat down with Jay Wright two weeks ago, and I, ta- I was like, listen, Jay, you lose four NBA picks, like, 2018 is the best year in the history of Villanova because you win a national title and you had a better year at the NBA draft than the school's ever had. So how can how can you possibly expect to replicate what you did? And he, he doesn't. But at the same time, you know, Villanova last season set a record for the most three-pointers made in the season, set a record for the most three-pointers made in the NCAA tournament. This was the Golden State Warriors of college basketball. And guess what? They're bringing in uh, a, you know, a top-15 freshman class including a guy named Cole Swider, who is a great three-point shooter. Javon Quinterly will start at the point guard position. He's going to be really, really good. And they bring back Eric Pascal and Phil Booth. Booth's been a part of two national championship teams. So there's enough there. Now, they're not going to be quite as good as last season, but they're, just, they're reloading. And I'm telling you, Villanova is just about arriving at the level of Duke and Kentucky, not on quite the same plane, but very close when it comes to recruiting. They have been able to establish something there where this is going to be an annual thing. Like, I just don't see where Villanova is going to drop off. So at the start of the season, this season, next, and the one after that, they should be in the national championship conversation. They will be a top-ten team. I'd be surprised if anyone knocked them off their perch in the Big East. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Enjoy the games tonight. You're in Indianapolis. Should be a fun night. Definitely check those out. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Norlander. Check out his uh, podcast, Eye on College Basketball. Uh, I have a quick uh, pop quiz for you. Yeah. What is the most accurate college football poll that's out there? It's definitely Rajas Bottom Belt. <laughs> no, that's NFL. That's NFL, my bad. My NFL. NFL. <laughs> it's the DK Top 8. We got to get to that yeah. next. <laughs> Drop in, gear up, and compete for glory in PUBG Mobile. PUBG Mobile is the official mobile version of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, offering intuitive and heavily customizable controls. One of the very best mobile games available. It's also free to play. Test your grit as you fight in explosive 100-man battles to be the last player standing. Scavenge weapons, vehicles, and supplies inside a relentless, shrieking battle zone. Experience incredible, realistic graphics as you try to stay alive through a variety of urban and rural environments. Mix it up with different play modes that include teaming with up to three other players in squad matches. Play war mode, mini zone, and quick matches for fast-paced, arcade-style play. Take on different challenges to earn coins you can use to buy stuff like badass threads. Defeat every player. Stay in the zone. And before you know it, you'll be shouting our victory cry, Winner, winner, chicken dinner! It's pulse pounding. It's fast paced. It's winner take all. Download the official mobile version of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for free. Go to your Android or iOS app store and type PUBG Mobile. P-U-B-G Mobile. Collect a special reward using the link and promo code provided in the episode description. Play now! In the spirit of PUBG's Battle Royale format, Raza, let's have one of our own with NFL MVP candidates midway through the season. It's less than 100, but how many guys can actually win the award? Um, I think there are only a few. In, in my in my estimation, there's only one guy that can win the award right now, and it's Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know you got Drew Brees up there and stuff, but Patrick Mahomes, he's got 
he's Chiefs are eight and one, right? Yep. They only lost one game. That was to the Patriots. He's got twenty nine TD passes. He's come out of nowhere. Took over for Alex Smith. Yeah, I know he's got a lot of weapons and he's got Andy Reid, but this kid is fantastic and he's my MVP this far through the season. All right. Well, you don't give out the MVP at the midway point because there's a lot of football left to be played, and I think you're forgetting a couple things. One, Todd Gurley. Although I don't think Todd Gurley has much of a chance, even though Vegas has him at a two to one favorite. It's a running back. He plays the wrong position. But what I think you're forgetting is the love that's being heaped on Drew Brees for not only his accomplishments this year, but for his entire career when he just became the all-time leading passer. Lifetime achievement we're giving away now? I think we're not supposed to, Yes, but I think that could absolutely come into the conversation. I don't think... Brady has a chance. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has a chance. I don't think Philip Rivers has a chance. I think it is a three-man race between Patrick Mahomes, Todd Gurley, and Drew Brees, but I'm not ready to give it to Mahomes just yet. Unless, if he throws, which I think he can, if he throws 50 touchdowns, yes. which is kind of crazy. At the beginning of the year, he would have said, what are you, smoking? Like, No way is he going to get that many. If he throws 50, it's a lock. Give it to him. Boom. We'll chalk it up, then. He's going to win the MVP. No, you didn't win this battle royale. No way. I'm still not giving it up just yet. All right. We should see how he finishes out the year. Uh, if he can get it, they can keep it going. And Andy Reid, can he get it done in the playoffs? Finally, now that he's got his guy. All right. Welcome back off the bench. Danny Cannell, Rajah Bell, new time, 10 a.m. We're loving the new, uh, new yes, time sir. slot. Uh, if you're, if you're watching us here on CBS Sports HQ, make sure you go download the podcast. You can listen to that anytime you want. And, uh, hopefully you like what you see, like what you hear. Uh, let's do it. DK's top eight uh-huh. college football teams put it out there uh, every Sunday after the college football season. Now, mine. Oh, this comes out Sunday. You put it out yeah, Sunday? Sunday. Oh, okay. Like, people are waiting. All right. Where is it? Like, when is yeah. it going to come out? They just baited. They're feeding they for the top wait. eight. Yeah. All right. So, no change in my top four. Shocker. You know why? Because I use common sense. I don't try to get cute and say, "Oh, LSU, they should be up there," even though they have one loss. Notre Dame, no change for me. They were undefeated last week. They should have been third last week, so I'm keeping them there. And I think Michigan was a better team than LSU, and I still believe that. That's right. why I've got them there. And then I go down two Pac-12 team or two Big 12 teams in West Virginia. Who, by the way, that win against Texas was the best game of the weekend. It was by fantastic. Far. It was yeah. fun to watch. I love Dana Holgerson going for it on two on the road. I loved his mindset. I loved everything about it. Oklahoma. I have to have a Pac-12 representative in there in Washington State who got it done in not a traditional high-scoring game against Cal, but got it done in a little bit more of a defensive battle. Uh, and then UCF filling up the back end there at number eight. They dropped two spots. They didn't look great. Well, they don't, it's not only that, but they, it's just their resume really isn't that great. And it was Temple. They gave up a lot of yards, which I don't have a problem with that. But I feel like... Yeah, dude, if I don't, your resume is soft and you don't look good, you should be dropping. You should, but I never had them in the top four anyway. Yeah. And as long as they win, like, see, I, I, the thing that's bothering me, I'm noticing this trend is that there are more analysts trolling and kind of making fun of UCF. Yeah. And I don't think they should. Like last year, nobody had a problem with Oklahoma giving up 40 to Baylor and Baylor was one yeah. of the worst teams in football last year. And nobody had to complain because they won the game. Like as long as they keep winning, they should be in the conversation. The problem is even if they go undefeated, their resume will not be as good as Anybody else that will be in the top four. Right. So I want them to like, I like them getting attention, but I want them also to have a grip of reality that no matter what anybody says, Bill Hancock or anybody from the committee, they're not getting in. And it's unfair. Like my thing is let's use this as an opportunity to change the system to to get them to a better spot. Uh, the Bama LSU game, no surprise. It was a dud. Like it, and see, that's what bothered me is LSU was a good team. It was a good test. It was probably one of the better tests they've seen so far. 
but they weren't a number three team in the country. Right. They just clearly weren't. Like some of the wins that they were hanging their hat on, Miami, sorry. Easy, bro. Sorry, but Auburn, another yeah. one that we, they were hanging their hat on, yep. do not appear as good as they did before. And one of the reasons I didn't like LSU in that game, as much as we talked about Joe Burrow being, you know, a better quarterback for them, He's just not a difference maker at that position. He really isn't. Yeah, no, he's not the gunslinging type of guy that's going to win you games. He's he's more like LSU is what LSU always is, right? Like they want to yes, run. Not they, correct. They want to run the Straight ball. Right on defense. Uh, yeah. The quarterback's a game manager, and they want to run the football and play, you know, try to just keep it into an ugly game, slow it down, and it's not going to work. You're playing right to Bama's strength when you do that. So you just said great on defense. Um, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, tug of Iloa, 295 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw the pick, right? Was that his first pick of the season? That's yeah, first pick good. of the year. That's remarkable. Right. Um, and they had 281 team rushing yards. Yes. Like, that's against a great defense. So how good is Bama? They're awesome. They're really good. But see, I think, and I see, I just would try, I gotta make sure I get Twitter out of my head. Yeah. Because all I hear Possible. are these Bama fans that come at me and they're mad at me. Anytime I'm over to I my side, man. Cold turkey. That's I the might, only way to do it. I might it. just quit. It's ties. Yes. my quality of life. Um, so I want to make sure because I feel like I have to hedge when I talk about Bama. I don't want to take anything away from what Bama's doing. Right. It's incredible. Best offense Nick Saban's ever had. Defense is really good too. I just feel like Clemson should be in that same category. And that's the only other team that's in that category. It's those two. They've tried to separate themselves. Right. And I hope for college football's sake that we get them in the national championship game because I think that's the best matchup for everybody. I think out of the top 25, I think Michigan could keep it within 10. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that's really what you should try to do when you judge. Uh, Bama is like, what makes, what makes you say that about Michigan? What, the defense? Their defense is yeah. really good. The problem is, I don't know if Shea Patterson, we were talking about Joe, Pur- Joe Burrow, if he's enough. I like him. I like, he, I think he's better than Joe Burrow. I don't know if their offense is the style that presents problems for Bama. For Bama, correct. They're gonna, again, they're gonna, they're similar. They're old, like Jim Harbaugh's, hey, we're gonna, you know, line up and two tight ends and two backs and we're gonna try to run it right at you. You are playing right into Bama's. You know track. what's funny, man? I said this, like, I hate to keep taking it to like youth football, but I had these arguments like with my son's coaches, cause we live, you know, we, we live in an area where you don't get like the most athletic kids or the biggest kids all the time. And so they would try to play like power eye football. And I'm like, you're not beating a bigger, <laughs> stronger faster team by doing that like you know what i mean like so that always it's always interesting to me i mean i know you have to be yourself right and you got to do what you do as a team but you're right stylistically like that's not a very good matchup for michigan offense against a bama defense i feel like there is a formula that gives you a chance versus them doesn't guarantee a win but it gives you a chance what is it and if you look back historically this has played out you need to run up tempo. Yeah. They go fast because that kind of keeps them from subbing out and kind of keep them on their heels a little bit yeah uh you have to have a mobile quarterback who can run around when things do break down and he's got to be an elite passer. Like you can't just have a guy who's out there. So the quarterbacks who have beat them, Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, Johnny Manziel, right. Chad Swag Kelly's in there too. And he kind of fits that bill. They were going fast, fast, fast. Sure. So you have to have those things. If you don't, you're playing right to their strength. So, so let's look, cause we'll talk, Georgia, the matchup is already set. SEC right. championship game. It's going to be a rematch. Or no, it's not going to be a rematch because it was Auburn last year. It's, it's going to be a rematch of the national championship game. It's Georgia versus Bama. And I think the way this game would unfold is more similar to what the Georgia LSU game unfolded. Correct. And saw, like, I just don't think they have the, the strategy or the quarterback. Now, if they play Justin Fields, who plays a little bit, but that's asking him to do a lot as a true freshman to come out there and go, go beat Bama. Yeah. It's not what they do normally. 
So I don't, I don't like them. I think they'll probably be similar to that was a 15 point spread LSU was. Yeah. It'll probably be a similar number in it. Yeah. I think they're going to get rolled. Um, and for the reason you just said, like you, they want to come out and they want to establish Elijah Holyfield, um, ter- and, and, um, and the run game right to yep, Andre, Andre Swift. Swift. They want to get out there and do that. And that's playing right into what Alabama wants to do defensively. It's what LSU wanted to do. And when you're talking about Jake Fromm with 14 for 20 for 113 yards against Kentucky, and that's not throwing any shade at Kentucky. Right. Um, but it should, but like Kentucky was not, uh, shouldn't have been ranked as high as they were. It's just a, they shouldn't have been ranked number nine. Yeah. Like it's, the only reason they're number nine is because they're in the SEC because they were a one loss team in the SEC and they beat Florida. Right. Like that's a, like, hey, we're going to go hang our hat on that. Because Florida beat LSU. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so then it's like this circular conversation where all, and again, this is my biggest problem, yeah, dude. Is that the SEC gets more credit for their wins and they don't get dinged as much for their losses. And every year you see the same story play out. And I think Bama and Georgia are the better teams, in the, and clearly, but I don't think Bama is the same conversation as Georgia. So then when you look at the big picture, I don't think it's that much different than the Big Ten where they've got Michigan now is kind of coming to the top. Maybe Ohio State, right. like Alabama, maybe Georgia. And then there's a bunch of good teams, and there's some bad teams at the bottom. Yeah. Not that much different. Like the ACC in is a spot where they better have Clemson win out because oh. if they don't, they're going to get shut out. Correct. You know? Yeah, so, and that's a whole other conversation. Right, exactly. So I, I don't think there's going to i don't think you'll ever see that change either just because the way it's set up so the college football rankings come out tonight from the committee again and i think they're just because i don't think lsu drops that far because they're like hey they played and lost to a tough alabama team what teams like give me a team outside of the the sec that like you feel should knock one of those sec teams off like it's not yeah i mean no not they could but i mean like when you're talking about these rankings and you're talking about this cyclical type of deal where you rank them high, and well, like because I, of that, they're I overranked. Have, and if they lose to right. a ranked team that you ranked high in the first place, undeservedly, they don't get dinged as much. Like right. who outside of that in another conference is is getting you know pooped on because so of this? Specifically, I think Oklahoma and West Virginia. Yeah. Like I think oh, those are two really good teams, and I'll be curious to see how high they go. I have them higher in, my, in mind, but they won't they won't jump Georgia. Like right. Georgia might be a top four team, and that'll bother me. No. Like and that because that'll just speak volumes of hey, they beat a number nine team. And again, it was Kentucky. Like it's a nice. It was a propped up number nine team. Exactly. But I wonder if the committee will see that and say, "Hey, let's leapfrog them over Michigan," which I'll have a problem with because it's just that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Because Michigan has a much better um, loss, if it makes sense, by them losing to Notre Dame is the same as Georgia losing to LSU, except they were closer in their game. Right. You know. And and. And, and ultimately, better. like as much as we get, like I get caught up, and I'm like, I I don't want to get upset with the committee because it doesn't matter. Usually, it works itself out. But the problem is, is like when there's a tight conversation for that four spot, then you see what happened last year, and yeah. then you get basically a buy in there. The Bama Clemson thing, I think, is interesting because I think it is much closer than everybody's giving it credit for. And I'm all in on Clemson, saying they, I hope they make me look good, right? Because they could go easily go to Boston College and lose this weekend. I don't think they will. But I think there's a huge difference since they made the change at quarterback with Kelly Bryant. Yeah. Do you remember my asterisk? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Win the national championship if it was at Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Since they've made that, they've been putting up sick numbers. They dropped 63, 59, and 77 this last weekend. And I know people say, well, who are they playing? They're playing some pretty good team. Not, not top caliber teams, but they're still, they're dominating on the offensive side of the ball. And I think sometimes we forget, I think their defense is better than Alabama's. They're, you really do, you really I do. Think I do. I think they're better than Alabama. Uh, they have a dope defense. So I just heard Alabama would be a nine point favorite if they played, if they played Clemson. Yeah, I think it's closer to six, but I mean, I'm sure Coca's in your ear. Yeah, games. totally. Well, so I'm going to reach out to my guy, uh, Danny Sheridan, odds uh-huh. maker. And the thing is, I think they would be favorite. I have no problem with them being favorite. I think they would be. 
But they were also favored when Clemson beat them with Deshaun Watson in the national championship game. They were seven point favored in that game. So like it's only a two point difference, which Clemson won that game. What's your boy a quarterback for Clemson now? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um, Sunshine. Does he, does he, does Sunshine check the boxes though? Is he mobile? Yes, he, he is mobile. He, he is. is mobile. They go fast and they've yeah. got the talents to go toe to toe. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like they've got all the, now that doesn't guarantee him a win, but I, I guarantee you they could keep it close. Right. Right, right, right. National championship game last year. What, how many times have we seen Alabama? Now, this Clemson? would be the this fourth be the... time, but only the third for the championship. Last year was in the playoff, the right. first round. It'll be the fourth time. Think people years. want to see that? Uh, I hope so because it's the only chance you got to get an entertaining game. I think. Enough Bama haters. Yeah. No, I mean I don't, I don't even mind. Like I, they're impressive. They're you should know when you when you have haters, that's a testament to like what Absolutely. you do. Like you people want to see you get knocked off. Like Golden State has haters now right. because they don't want to see like that. Not right. throwing shade at Bama. All right, let's get it to Hannah because we got to get uh, caught up and uh, socially relevant. Hannah, what's up? Hey guys, we start in a topic we all know by now. Le'Veon Bell has to report to the Pittsburgh Steelers by next Tuesday if he wants to be eligible to play this season. But yesterday, he might have dropped us all a little hint. So Bell tweeted out, farewell Miami with that hand wave emoji. So as we know, he's been spending most of his off time in the 305 while he continues to hold out. So Danny Raja, he knows exactly what he's doing here with that tweet, which was spelt wrong, by the way. Is he telling us what we all want to believe? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great call, Hannah. I didn't even catch Fare thee well, Miami. <laughs> um, I didn't know my cousin was down here the whole time. Like, you're supposed to hit me up, bro. Right? We, we talked about it. Remember uh, in the clubs? He was down here the whole time? I thought he was down yeah. here just visiting. You guys aren't related, are you? Um, no, we're not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure. I didn't know if there was a big family reunion. Nah. Uh, I can't say I'm so annoyed by the story. Because I just, like, we've heard so many conflicting reports, whether it was going to be, he was going to report after Labor Day, then it was, you know, after the bye week. Now it's, hey, he's tweeting out there. I think he probably feels a little bit left out of the conversation. And if anything, he's got to be watching James Conner thinking, man, is this decreasing my value? Did I make a mistake? Yes. Did I make a mistake? $14.5 million on the table. Ultimately, I do think he comes back just to get his sea legs under him to try to to increase his value so that when he keeps the, when he does hit the open market, he'll be able to get that big contract. So, but like, I'm not paying attention to any tweets. Tell me when he's in the building. That's all we care about. Steelers facility, or else, like, just don't even bug me with it. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, so going back to Sunday's NFL game, so you guys know that I was watching my Buffalo Bills, even though they got completely demolished by the Bears, 41-9. to But it looks like I wasn't alone when I was watching the mess go down in Buffalo. Former Bills quarterback E.J. Manuel posted on his Instagram story complaining about how things are going with Nathan Peterman. He said, quote, I usually never open up about my situation in Buffalo, but the fact that this guy has had multiple games with four-plus interceptions and I still don't have a job in the league, unreal. Say what you want about me, but never have I ever done that. Forget a learning curve. I didn't get the luxury of being able to use that excuse. I wonder why. So, guys, just to recap here, in four years with Buffalo, EJ had 15 interceptions. Meanwhile, Nathan Peterman has had 13 this year alone. Is he right to call Peterman out here? <laughs> yeah, we mean he's right. Yeah, we, of course he's right. Nathan, what? I, I'm not even. Call, I don't even pictures. know his name. Nathan Peterman has pictures. He's got pictures of somebody in high places, some influential figure. He's got so he can hijack them, so he still gets an opportunity. I don't know what this team saw in him when they benched Tyrod Taylor last year yeah. and said, "Let's give him an opportunity." Here's the thing: I love EJ, yeah, or Steak Guy. It's not a good look. Like, and you know how many times I sat there on my couch and watched other guys. I'm like, I'm better than that guy. I, I should be on a team. Yeah. And, I'm, and I couldn't get a spot and I was done. My career was over and it bothered me. I don't think you can win by putting that out there. Why? 
just because it makes you look petty. It makes you look jealous. And maybe you are. I was. Well, I mean, I think I he's like, saying. I think. He, he looks, I don't think he's trying to hide the fact of like. Listen, <laughs> I don't understand how I don't have a job but at this see, point. There are a lot of politics involved. Yeah. A lot of it's salary cap driven. Like EJ's at a different point in his career yeah. where he makes more money, which I don't even know if that's the case. But it's not like Buffalo's going to bring him back. Buffalo already knows what DJ did. They didn't want him, so they moved on from him. So it's not like that's a viable Here's, option for him. I, I get it. Like, trust me. If I was EJ, I'd be like, how does this bum out there? Like, I, I watched, don't mind it. I watched Nate the Beater, and I'm like. Doesn't this guy, like, is there zero fear of interceptions? Like, yeah, at some point, should. you should be like, maybe it's a bad idea to throw Maybe I'll just throw it away. Right. Maybe I'll stop throwing nah, it. he's like, nah. Back. No, he's uh-uh. just like, oh, screw it. Boom. Nah. Another interception. I, I don't, don't understand it. I don't mind it. I like, Well, I hear you. I do agree. You know agree. what I mean? Like, just, yes. like, I love EJ. Like, but, great dude. Having said that, like, why not? I mean, I don't care. Who cares? Right. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude, if you got a beef, like, I, I, I'm, I'm cool with it, EJ. Especially if you felt like, especially if you felt like you didn't get a fair shake in Buffalo for one reason or another, like I ain't there, I don't know what happened. Right. If you genuinely feel like you weren't given the same opportunity as someone for some reason, right? I ain't got no problem with you telling people. He definitely did not get the same opportunity. Nathan <laughs> Peterman got over and over and right. over again for sure. Nobody should be jealous of Nathan Peterman right now. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> and I know that we're definitely not jealous of these next guys. So lastly, so seven Ottawa Senators players issued an apology on Monday night after their conversation in an Uber ride was recorded and published online. So in the video, you can hear these guys criticizing the team's poor play and an assistant coach. The video was about five minutes long. You can hear one player talk about how they never change, so why are they even meeting? Quote, I haven't paid attention in three weeks. Another one ripped huh. assistant coach Martin Raymond saying that he doesn't ever teach them anything. So, Danny and Raja, I want to hear your take on this one because A, the Sens are playing some pretty terrible hockey right now, but B, recording anyone's conversation in an Uber ride is dangerous and I think, frankly, unfair. First of all, I need to check in with my guy Mike Pags. Because apparently, you know, Mike, Mike Pags is my hockey story. Yeah, I'm he's like, I a hockey expert. Um, so I know nothing about hockey, but we'll check in and I'll get back to you on that. But I'm not apologizing <laughs> for anything. Like, what I'm apologizing for, I didn't get out in, like, in public and do an interview and say anything negative about my coach. Like, this was a private conversation that some creep taped in an Uber. Like, I'm not apologizing. I do think you need to have a little better judgment now if you're a professional athlete and you're out places and understand that anything you do could be taped or whatever and maybe not have that conversation within earshot of the cabbie, but I'm not apologizing for it. Do you know how many times when I was either out at dinner, out at, you know, just hanging with your buddies, whether it was in the hot, wherever it was, yeah. and you complained about your boss. Uh, absolutely. Anybody in their workplace, not we, even, we did still, it before we came on air today, like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> with our guy Port doing, like, making, just messing around. But everybody does it, like you, like people complain, yes. and you think you can do it in private. Sometimes it's good to complain. You can vent to guys, you can express some Cathartic. of your. Cathartic. Exactly. Yes. Sometimes it off your it chest. Can be a good thing. Yes. I know why Uber does it. Like I get because there have been some issues, and they want to make sure that if there is an incident, they have it covered. But yeah. you don't have to put it out there. Absolutely, and out these dudes and put it out there over the airwaves. So from that perspective, I'm like, these guys got screwed over. Yeah, they got they that got ain't hosed. right. They got hosed. That's not right. But they have to apologize. Because it's just the PR thing. It's PR 101. They have to. No, <laughs> you're just no. letting it rip. Yeah. How no. awkward it would be with the coaches the next day, bro. Teach me something. <laughs> like you know damn well you ain't teaching me nothing. Why I got to be faking like you're teaching me something? Fair point. No. Bro. Recording anyone in, in an Uber is so embarrassing. If it was me, I'd just be FaceTiming my friends and nobody answering, and that would go everywhere. <laughs> nobody wants to see anything going on in an Uber. All right, that is all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Canel and Bell. Coming up next, Danny and Raja chat with CBS Sports fantasy expert Keith Cummings. Stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench.
All right, let's finish it off a little fantasy with our guy Heath Cummings. He's our CBS Sports Senior Fantasy Expert. You can follow him on Twitter at Heath Cummings Senior uh, on Twitter.com. All right, so get, get who's your number one waiver wire ad? The first name you have to go look for is Mike Davis of the Seattle Seahawks. Eternal optimist Pete Carroll was asked about Chris Carson's status for next week. And he didn't say, he said, I don't expect Carson to do much in practice. That should make Davis the starting running back. He's had three games this year with at least 12 touches. He scored double-digit fantasy points in all of them. The Rams defense he'll be facing has been bad against the run. Go get Davis. All right, Heath, I need some wide receiver help, right? So besides having a great name, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, is that how you say it? I mean, it's just fantastic. <laughs> oh, um, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. All right, good. So why, why is this wide out a top option for me to add this week? And he's been a top option for the last five weeks. We were shocked at how low his ownership was last week, and that's because people were concerned about Geronimo Allison. Does not sound like Allison is going to be a factor for at least the rest of the regular season. Valdez Scantling, double-digit fantasy points in five straight games, over 100 yards. He's the deep threat in this office. Devontae Adams can get it done in the red zone. Randall Cobb's very good over the middle, but nobody gets deep like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. His ownership should skyrocket overnight. All right, Heath. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. All right, so this weekend, we got a little bit spoiled last weekend because the NFL had these all-time great matchups. You know, had the GOAT matchup between yep. Brady and Rodgers. You had Saints and Rams. That was an incredible yeah. game. Saints came on top of that one. This week, it's a little bit hard-pressed to find some good games. You have four teams. Yep. That are nine plus point favorites this week in the NFL, which also means you have the underdog situation too. So Kansas City, 17 and a half point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals. Which cover that. A huge one. There's such a big number. There's such a big number. So you're telling me I'm a sucker if I want to go out there and take Arizona. No, you like, bet more than me, so you'd probably know. I just feel like Kansas City. <laughs> it is, but they probably, you're probably right. Like that. you're probably right. The Chargers on the road against Oakland. See, I think that's one where you want to take the Chargers. Yeah, the Raiders have <laughs> shut it down. They're like, yeah, whatever. We're tanking. We're not yeah. even showing up. And you got Seattle. Let's see. This is one where I think you got to be a little careful. With yeah. With, uh, against the Rams. You got Russell Wilson. This team's similar to me. I bet, and I don't, I would guess, because the last time we saw the number like this with a good quarterback was when the Rams were favored against the Packers. Right. Uh, so for that one, I would say, all right, might want to be a little careful with this one. Russell Wilson can find a way to get things done. I'm with you and on that. And how about our team down here, South Florida, Miami Dolphins on the road in Green Bay. Hey, that's on the road. If it was in Miami, I would say the green, that Miami, Miami with the points I'd take. Um, I think they're coming off a pretty good win. Like, yeah. Up and down team, or if they figure things out, they can maybe sneak out a win. I think they might find a way to cover. We'll do those in our pick six. Though. All right, cool. Am I making any inroads on that with you? Oh, the pick six? Yeah, yeah, I think I think you had a good week. Oh, I did. I, I didn't see the numbers, but I'm pretty sure you had a good. I had a bad week, so. All right. Once you faded, you always coming at the leaderboard. <laughs> I like it. Stop time. waiting for that.